Hey everyone, I'm Rob Lee, and this is Beloved Journal. It's a podcast centered around the radical idea that we should love and be loved in more than just a romantic capacity. My co-host, Mandy McDowell, and I seek out people we have come to admire or wish to know more about and talk about their hopes, their dreams, their challenges, and how they deal with their despair. All of this is through the context and lens of loveliness. The poet Galway Cannell said that sometimes it is necessary to reteach a thing its loveliness. If you need to relearn or reshape your conception of love and the abundance therein, this podcast is for you. Hey everyone, this is Rob Lee for Beloved Journal. Our podcast normally comes out on Saturday mornings. But today, we wanted to do a special episode in honor of World Bipolar Day that is celebrated every year on March 30th. This is in honor of Vincent van Gogh, who was posthumously diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Today, Mandy, uh, my co-host, sits down with me, puts me in the hot seat to talk about my illness, what I face uh, as someone who struggles with bipolar disorder and uh, lives with this illness. Uh, So this is part one of a two-part podcast day. Uh, The second podcast will come out later, and that's with Anya Burchek, uh, a graduate student at East Carolina University, where she talks for a short time about her struggles, about her facing her illness, but also her advocacy work. But first, let's lean into my conversation with Mandy McDowell. In honor of World Bipolar Day, we wanted to take some time to honor and recognize all who we know and love who are living as bipolar as people with bipolar disorder. Today, our conversation is with one of our hosts, Rob, who is diagnosed with bipolar disorder. It's an honor to have this very candid and rich conversation with you, Rob, because not only are you somebody who can speak from the perspective of what it's like, you can also help us know how best to get to know and love people who are uh, experiencing this in their own lives. So thank you for being so willing to talk about it. I think it's one of the best aspects of your platform is that you have been so candid and honest, not just about mental illness in general, but specifically what it's like to be a person with bipolar disorder. So thank you for taking the time today. Thank you for having me on this podcast. On your very own podcast. On this amazing podcast. It's my favorite podcast. Um, I just want to start, uh, I think we need to lay a little bit of groundwork because uh, bipolar is a word that has found its way into our vernacular in some ways, mostly used in incorrect ways. Uh, we use it to talk a lot about a lot of things related to emotions or a range of emotions, but oftentimes most people I would argue don't use it correctly. So first and foremost, can you give us a good working definition of what it means uh, to be a person with bipolar disorder? So people who uh, suffer from bipolar disorder, who struggle with bipolar disorder, who live with bipolar disorder, uh, are people who have periods of depression uh, mixed and coupled with, in tandem with, periods of either hypomania, uh, which is a form of manic, uh, a form of mania, or all-out mania um, in their lives. Uh, For instance, I have what is called bipolar 2 meaning that I have the, the deep depressions mixed with the hypomania, uh, hypomanic uh, episodes. Um, what that means is if you think about it as a roller coaster, mine are a little more scrunched together as you're going up and down the hills versus someone with bipolar one who would go on a more highs and lows 
ups and downs are, are more elongated and more pronounced. Um, so you've got bipolar one that has more periods of mania, which is a, which is a, a form of being, uh, you know, you, you gamble too much, you, 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 you risk uh, all kinds of things, you, you act out of character, coupled with depression, we all kind of have a conception of depression, whereas hypomania is more day to day acts of mania versus the, the elongated uh, type of mania. So, so, so it's kind of complicated, but, but again, after you start to live in these waters, uh, you begin to understand a little better what we're talking about, which is why today, World Bipolar Day, is so important uh, to end the stigma to create conversations around this particular illness, recognizing that there's so many illnesses out there that deserve their due credit. Um, but this one on, on particular on World Bipolar Day is a day to recognize that there are people living with bipolar disorder that aren't just part of a Katy Perry song uh, talking about love bipolar or anything like that, that there are people who are living with this disease and it is a chronic illness and an illness that, uh, that, that, that can threaten lives. Um, and so it's a very serious illness, but it's one that, that you can also live with. So um, that's what we're trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do is to live with this illness and to, to make sense of it uh, uh, in a public way. I really, really appreciate that. And I do think that, you know, mental illness in particular has been something that uh, we've been working to destigmatize for a long, long time. I am 8,000 years old. And when I was in college, I got a chance to serve as an intern at the Carter Center. And I worked in uh, Rosalind's particular area of interest was mental health. And there was a day in the late 90s where I, as a, you know, kind of doe-eyed, terrified intern, got to fly to go meet with the Surgeon General. Um, and that was specifically to talk about the destigmatization of mental illness and how it's discussed, how it's marketed, how we approach it, um, the benefits of treatment and therapies. It was amazing to be a part of the conversation as somebody who was so young. Uh, but now to see the effect and the influence that you have had on people's ability to name and address what it's like to live with this. And I would say there's not a single person that I can think of who doesn't know somebody and care for somebody or work with somebody or have a neighbor with somebody who, is, uh, who isn't affected with bipolar disorder in some way. It's relatively prevalent. Um, it's not uncommon, but it's often undiagnosed. Um, are you comfortable sharing with us a little bit about your process to discovering your diagnosis? So discovering my diagnosis happened as it does for a lot of people. Um, we actually, I was, I was in my mid twenties, which is about the time that normally people uh, end up having that kind of discovery, that self-discovery that something is wrong, that something's uh, there that needs to be addressed. All that's to say is that it was actually quite a relief to be diagnosed with bipolar disorder as opposed to this amorphous kind of illness that I had no idea about and the ability to, um, to, to kind of combat in my own way. It, it was difficult for me uh, to, to name that illness. And so um, now that it had a name and a face and an ability to, to, to have that conversation, it was really helpful. Um, to have to talk about it um you know we it's one of those things that i, I remember riding home from with my dad my dad had taken me to the doctor after a, a hospitalization and they'd given me the diagnosis that i had bipolar disorder 
And I just started crying with relief because I actually had something that I could call it. It had, it no longer had the same power over me as, as some, as an unnamed illness uh, that had had prior to that day. Um, because oftentimes what will happen is, is when they treat you for depression, they'll treat you for depression, not knowing it's bipolar disorder, which makes it a whole lot worse, a whole lot more complicated, a whole lot more uh, in depth to deal with. And so, so finally it had something that I could treat it with the medication and therapy and all kinds of different tools. And so the world was mine in that regard. Um, Would I wish this on my worst enemy? No, not at all. Um, I would not, um, because that is not something that is easy or, 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 or good uh, to, to wish upon people because it is an illness that is just, it can take you to your knees. Um, it can take you to the darkest parts of your soul. Um, but I know deep down that this illness has often given me opportunity to, ha- to give voice to things that are important. Uh, I'm very I'm passionate, and I credit some of that to my bipolar disorder. Uh, being able to, to to struggle through it and get through it. Um, so um, while it's easy to talk about being diagnosed and saying, yeah, that was, that was a hard time. It, it, the, the better part for me is to see it as a blessing and that knowing that it was something that I could fight and, and fight against. I think you touched on something that's really important too, which, you know, it's, it's true for physical illnesses as much as anything, but I think it's especially true for anything that's related to our mental health is that a, diagnos- a diagnosis doesn't give you the disorder. Rather, what it gives you are avenues for support, for treatment, for help, uh, for a community of other people who are enduring the same thing. Um, and I think a lot of the, the stigma around it is that, oh, I don't wanna be diagnosed. Uh, I don't wanna have this label. And I think you've touched on something really important, which is that like the label doesn't, doesn't determine you. Uh, it merely opens doors to understanding how best you can live and how to live and live well. I think in the long run, um, you know, people with bipolar are often credited as being people who don't seek treatment well. And that's true because once we start to feel better, a lot of us will stop taking medication and that's well known. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, luckily, I'm much better at, I think, that that than, than possible than most people because I, I do take my medication regularly. I try to stay on that regimen and stay healthy. Um, but that said, I think that, that this archaic notion that bipolar disorder is some boogeyman can be discredited by taking those diagnoses for what they are. It's an illness. It's treatable. Um, it is not going to be cured. I need to acknowledge that. I will not see the cure for bipolar disorder on this side of my life. However, I am able to address it faithfully and take the medication, get the treatment, get stuff that needs to be done and, and live with it. And, and I think while I would, I don't want to say just suck it up and live with it, but that's what we have to do. You can't just ignore an illness and it suddenly not be there. And there's a great danger in ignoring it and it, pretending that it's suddenly not there. Imagine you have had, uh, as a very online person, you've had your fair share of comments and responses and things um, that are both hopefully very supportive and I know at points equally very hurtful. What are some of the assumptions around living with bipolar disorder that you might want to teach us about? What can what can you help us clear up in our own minds as we understand this better? You know, one of the greatest things I, I like to think is that we, we have minds, like we, we still have the ability to think through things. 
whether we're thinking through things correctly or incorrectly is another issue. Um, and that can be addressed, but I think this idea of, oh, they're just bipolar, they don't know what they're talking about, is really, it's really problematic. I mean, some of the greatest minds of, our, of, of the ages have been bipolar. I mean, you think of people uh, who may have been diagnosed. Uh, for instance, this is on Vincent Van Gogh's birthday because it was believed that he was kind of posthumously diagnosed with, with bipolar disorder. And, and, and so all of this is to say that we can do great things in our lives. And I don't want to ever see someone limited by the status or their mental health condition. Um, I want people to have access to care. I want people to have the ability to get care, but I also want people to have the ability to dream too. Like what does it mean to dream about a life beyond a better than uh, because we're being treated for bipolar disorder. And that's what I see it as, as someone who is able to experience the fullness of, of my career, um, despite the trappings of what I faced in my past with bipolar disorder. I mean, it's, there've been times, um, especially when I was at Duke at infinity school, uh, when I was not doing well because of my bipolar disorder. Uh, but fortunately, I had people and things in place and, and ability, you know, mechanisms in place to make sure that I was able to get out of those you know, scenarios and situations that I felt trapped. So I think it's all about equipping yourself. It's all about finding those ways to end the stigma in your own life, by like your own personal stigma and the stigma of that other people place on you. And I think all of that comes through education and being open as you were able and as, 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 as necessary about the things that, that, that hurt you the most. I think that's wonderful. And you touched on this just briefly in talking about your time at Duke. And obviously one of the hallmarks of being a person with bipolar disorder is that there are uh, vast differences in how you can feel whether, and I appreciate the distinction in uh, type one and type two, that in, in the course of the day, uh, the ex experience could be really different as opposed to, I think what many of us assume that, um, that, that some of these phases of highs and lows can continue on for longer periods of time. It's a really helpful distinction. Uh, you touched on it a little bit in terms of your um, coping mechanisms and the things that were helpful to you. Uh, can you articulate for us a little bit more, especially now, um, now that you're out of a more acute phase of, of stress or, or, you know, grad school is its own particular little microcosm of one's life. Uh, now that you're a, a grown up with, you know, a lovely, lovely wife and beautiful, beautiful children and a wonderful family, um, what are the ways in which you find, uh, what, what are the things that are most helpful to you on a daily basis? I think that the things that are most helpful for me on a daily basis is that medication regimen, but also a willingness uh, to be in a routine and rhythm that, uh, you know, I stick to it. Uh, I sleep when I'm needed to. I, I try to rest when I can um, because my mind is moving at a different pace and different speed than others, sometimes faster, sometimes slower. It's all about recognizing that my routine may not be the routine of society and that's okay. And, and that we need to acknowledge that and be a part of that conversation deeper, uh, you know, that, hey, this may work for you and it may work for the rest of the world, but it doesn't work for me and that's okay because it's all about caring for my mind in that regard and my ability to take care of myself. Uh, I will say it's helpful to have small children in some way because they're on a routine too. And so if they get off their routine, they're not happy. 
in some ways, that's me. If I, know, if I get off my routine, if I get off what I'm used to, that's really difficult for me. So all that's to say is I think routines, medication management, seeing your doctor regularly and making sure that you are well cared for and that you have people to advocate for you if you are unable to advocate for yourself. That's wonderful. Um, and I appreciate that you said that, you know, having small children is actually a benefit because it's also a massive shift in your schedule and in your routine and how you get to approach life and make choices for yourself. It was the thing I missed the most when I became a, a very new mom. It's like, oh, I can't nap anymore. <laughs> I have to wait for this squalling eight pound person to decide they want to sleep. Um, so it's a gift that this has been a helpful part of your routine. Right, right. And I'd imagine they're learning too. It sounds like you have determined for yourself really good boundaries and have a comfort level with this conversation that if you go into new circumstances or new situations or meet new people, um, it sounds like you have a good handle on who you are and how you engage with the world, um, that you're comfortable teaching people how best to interact with you and what's right. gonna be successful. Uh, I imagine that took a lot of time to hone and to, to craft and to perfect. What can you say to people who are working on that as they advocate for themselves? I think it, it takes a team. And I, I want to, you know, like if you have the capability of having people around you to say, hey, that doesn't sound right. Hey, what you're saying doesn't sound right. Hey, what your doctor's saying doesn't sound right. Um, I think that's really helpful. For instance, my mom is a nurse and I, there have been times that I've been really grateful she's been a nurse because she's known what to say to people to get the thing done, um, to get the things moving that need to be moving. And, and so for me to be open about this means that I'm willing to have people on my team who are, you know, I've got a deep bench, you know, I got a, people that are there for me uh, when I can't be there for myself. And so while, while it is about self-advocating and advocating for yourself, it's also about developing those people around you whether they be friends or family who can be your go-to people when you're having a manic episode or a depressive episode, or you're in the hospital or you need to go see your doctor and your doctor's not saying the right things that you need to hear in order to get yourself cared for. Uh, I think that's the key. That's been the key for me. And that's been the most helpful thing for me ultimately. Well, and you know, knowing you, you and I have been friends for a while now. Um, you're one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. And someone I care about, and I've, I've seen how you've been able to advocate for yourself um, and I, you're somebody who is eminently uh, lovable. And I know that that for all of us is a really hard thing to recognize. Sometimes we have the hardest time loving ourselves. Um, and your particular support system is so strong. Uh, and I often can experience anybody who's had even the slightest bit of depression, even if it's not in, you know, necessarily a clinical way. One of the hallmarks of depression is that it, it, it obtains its own voice and it's a very convincing very negative voice that can compel us to believe things that are not true. Um, so it seems that you found a support system that can help you in those moments too, uh, when it's really hard to believe that, you know, anything could be positive or that anyone could care um, that you've got a support system that can talk through that noise. Yeah, I think, thank you, first of all. Um, and I, I adore you too. You're one of my favorite people. I think the hard thing though, is to know that in your soul. Uh, when, as you alluded to, I mean, when you're in a depressive state, it's hard to recognize that. Well, I think people in your life should also, it is beholden to them to, to, to do the jobs of reminding you of that, as, as you so, so often do for me and, and my family does for me, you know, 
just reminding me that I'm loved and I'm, I'm appreciated and I'm there for a reason. Uh, and, and those things are what are needed in, in people with bipolar. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things when I look back on it, uh, there are reasons, there are moments in my life where I knew I had bipolar disorder and I wasn't diagnosed. And, and one of them was me being really little and wanting all my people in one place. Like I wanted to see all my people to make sure they were there. Um, and the same is true for me now. I, I, I'm a very friend oriented, very friendship oriented. That isn't some um, just I like having friends. I do. But it's also knowing that I've got people there that I, I can call upon and be with and, and know that they are with me uh, in, in those moments where it seems that I am all alone. Um, and, you know, of course, I've got to give credit to to my wife, Stephanie, too, for being there in moments um, where it's been hard for her. Um, uh, you know, one of our f- favorite jokes that was, wasn't a joke at the time, but it was a joke uh, now is that whenever I, when I was at Duke hospital one time, she called the hospital, uh, and it was a line for all the group, the group in the area, in the locked unit. And I answered it as Domino's pizza. And she was mortified at the time. Uh, she was like, what the, why in the world would you get, you know, and now we laugh about it, but it, you know, in those moments where it was precarious, uh, she has always been there. My friends have always been there, and that is the greatest gift um, that I don't take lightly um, because I know it takes time to develop those resources uh, that are sometimes harder to find, even the medication and, and, and talk therapy, to have those people who are there for you in those dark moments. So I'm really grateful. Well, and as much as you know, bipolar is something to manage, it is also, you wouldn't be you without it. Right, right. And we all know you and love you. And this is a this doesn't define you in the same way that no one aspect of our character defines us, but it is a really important piece of who you are and getting to know you and and what it's like to to be a piece of this really rich tapestry of support that's surrounding you. Are there ways in which that you can identify that um, that bipolarity is actually in some ways its own strange blessing? I can think through a problem and think through scenarios, I think quicker than most people because of this. I think I have a deep empathy because of my bipolar disorder. And I think also I am able um, to, to get things done really quickly in a really quality state. Um, now, sometimes I like to read over them, but I can put out a, I can crank out a book over a few months uh, and have it done. And it'd be a really something I'm really proud of. Um, of course, there would need to be copy editors and people to look over it. But, but all that's to say is there's, there's pr- productivity, but there's also the ability to be empathetic in that productivity, recognizing that people move at different speeds than me. And that's okay. Um, and there are times that I'm really slow. And so that grace that abounds there too is really good. So those are ways that it's become a blessing for me anyway. Uh, and you know, it's funny on this end, you'll say like, oh, I'm working on another book. And I'll think, my word, your you're, you're, hypomania is a pretty wonderful thing when it comes to getting things done. You know, right, I right. think of ideas fast enough and right. already written the entire book, uh, which is, it is remarkable. And again, that's a piece of who you are. We were talking about famous people like, you know, Vincent Van Gogh. And I'm thinking of John Nash, who was a famous mathematician. Beautiful Mind was written about him. Some of the most beautiful minds uh, are those that do have this very tangled web of, you know, emotional networking to map through. And yet, where would our world be 
without their creative contributions, without their mathematical contributions, without your theological and uh, you know literary contributions, without your advocacy. Um, if I am to identify what a blessing it is, I also see that it's made you really courageous for other people, that your empathy is not performative. It is deeply actualized. And whatever you have done throughout the course of your diagnosis, it's made you really brave. Um, and I think, especially as we're honoring, you know, World Bipolar Day, which is such a gift to have this conversation, to highlight it, how important it is to encourage people to talk to their doctors and their medical professionals about questions or concerns they may be having. Uh, the underlying truth of it is always that the world wouldn't be the same without you, exactly as you are, precisely as you're made. And that, you know, sometimes we have pieces of ourselves we wouldn't choose but they still make us who we are. Yeah, one of the things I think about in all this is all the great names that have some sort of bipolarity in their in their diagnosis. If that was Steve Jobs, we wouldn't have iPhones. Yeah. We wouldn't have Princess Leia with Carrie Fisher. Um, you know, there's people that that are uh, Taylor Tomlinson, this new comedian that I just love. Oh my gosh, she's hilarious! But she admits she has bipolar in her new Netflix special. I mean, it's, it takes courage to say that, but the people that are saying that are the people that are changing the world. Of course, it doesn't take bipolar to change the world, but it takes courage. And it takes. But it doesn't not take that. Right, right, right. That's the well. You know, it takes courage. It takes courage to admit that you're willing to change the world and see it as it is and what it could be. So. Um, do you have anything else you'd want us to know about how we can be good advocates, uh, good supporters, um, and, and frankly, even good uh, encouragers of our own experiences as we're thinking through this conversation and what it might mean for us? I think the majority of people that I've met who have bipolar disorder are willing to answer questions. So don't be afraid to ask. Um, if they've confided in you or, or, or are public about their bipolar diagnosis, then there's some willingness at least to have a conversation about it. And I'm the first to admit that bipolar disorder is different in everybody. Um, there is a difference in um, it, it's unique to each, each person who suffers from it. Uh, and yet it, it has some similarities too. So be willing to ask those questions be willing to be honest about your concerns um, that can be oftentimes um, taken care of just by conversations. So that's my, that's my goal through all this conversation. Well, and the last question we ask all of our guests, which I would like to ask you too, is what or whom is easy for you to love? You know, I obviously my, my family and, and my um, kids, but uh, my dog, Frank, has been through, you know, he's been through a lot with me uh, and Stephanie. Uh, he is suddenly a big brother uh, to, to people that, um, you know, didn't love him deeply despite his own hesitations about them uh, with my girls when we adopted them. But he's become such a great dog for them and he loves them. And he's sitting right here. And I just think, you know, gosh, my life is better off because I have a dog. And I think people with mental health concerns are better off if they have some sort of pet because you actually have to get up and care for that pet. They are not going to lie there and just lie with you in bed. And, you know, of course they will for a season, but not for long. Uh, so, so, so be sure to care for your pets, but pets are a good way to address mental health concerns as well. So 
think that's wonderful advice. Um, and do you have, I guess this is my real last question. Do you have any places people could go if they want to do more reading, any resources that have been particularly helpful? And I'm springing this on you, so it might need a little bit of research, but are there places that people can reasonably go to learn more uh, from a reliable source? <laughs> Well, um, one of the, the there is a world there is an institution that puts on the World Bipolar Day, and they're really helpful. You can find them on Twitter, um, and that's the first place I'd go. Google is a reasonably decent search if you just Google bipolar disorder. Um, there's NAMI, there's the National um, American uh, North American Mental something. It stands for something. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, but they're very good at helping us address those issues and concerns. So. Um, my, my support dog just showed up as well. Well, there That's you awesome. go. You've got, yeah. you've got one too. So, um, thank you so much. And I can't, it's one of the most remarkable pieces of your whole person, uh, is that you have been such a comfortable and confident advocate, not only for yourself, but to help other people understand how best to live with and to love people with bipolar disorder. So thank you for your candidness, your honesty, your openness, and your willingness to highlight this today. Thank you so much. Beloved Journal is hosted by Rob Lee and Mandy McDowell. Our theme music is by Mipso, the best band in the world. The podcast was the vision and idea of Stephanie Lee, who continues to produce the show. And Frank the Poodle said I would be remiss if I didn't remind you to check out our website, www.belovedjournal.com.